Hi, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Bio, a podcast that shares the stories of our extraordinary people from their perspectives. You're probably used to hearing Keith Bevins as the host of this series, but I'm Sherrod Apte, a partner in Bain's Bangkok office, and I will be hosting a few episodes focused on our advanced degree population in APAC. We're really happy to be joined today by Kate, who's a senior manager in our Shanghai office. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Sherrod. I'm happy to join the podcast. This is all part of our series as we speak to people at Bain who have joined us with advanced degrees. And we'd really like to just start out, Kate, by tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? What'd you study? Those sorts of things. So maybe just start with a little bit of context and background about yourself. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in the northern province of China. It's a Jinling province. I don't know if you know that particular province. I went to university in Beijing. I spent five years there. I chose my major to be urban planning and economics. That's mostly driven by having parents working as government officials and also uh, very into urban planning somehow. It might be because of uh, childhood games that everybody plays. So spent five years there and then completely not thinking about getting a job after graduation from college. Very, very interested in exploring the world outside China. And that's what led me to the University of Chicago to do a master's degree. So I was actually planning to end my education there. But going to the University of Chicago actually changed my path because I met a few Nobel winners there. And the one that has a particular impact on me was Gary Becker. He passed away lately, but he was he was very old by the time I attended University of Chicago. He's still giving lectures, and I went to two parties that he hold in his houses, and he would talk us through a lot of economic theories. And you know, Gary Becker won uh, his Nobel Prize by quantifying the social study field, and it was really interesting. And that got me interested in studying quantitative economics, and that's why I applied to Columbia to do my PhD. So I did my PhD for five years, and then I joined Bain after my PhD. Great. And, you know, I think the University of Chicago has more Nobel laureates in economics than any other place in in the world. So what a great place to go. And Gary Becker, I mean, tell us a little bit more about what it was that he did or how he taught that got you so excited about economics and, and made you pursue ultimately a PhD in it. He told very, very simple stories of why people would commit a crime, but with all the economic rationales behind it. Uh, we would think uh, crime committers would be very irrational, but he thinks it's irrational. They would estimate the cause and returns of committing a crime, the ROI, basically. And if the ROI makes sense, they go commit that crime. If it doesn't make sense, they, they don't do it. And then it has a huge implication on policies. You have to reduce their ROIs. You either increase their cost or reduce their, the, the, the economic benefit. And the whole series is so down to earth. However, it's so powerful. And that's why it makes me very interested in this field. And also there are just so many great academic people in University of Chicago. I think this university might convert the most master students into PhDs. And I'm one of those. It's certainly one of the, academically, one of the most prestigious universities in the world and, and certainly in the U.S., but in academic circles, it's, it's highly regarded. You finished your master's yeah. degree in economics. So you went from sort of China to big town Chicago and to even bigger town New York City. Talk a little bit about, you know, what was it like, first of all, going to Chicago and then going to New York City after coming out of China? Well, I think it's, it's eye-opening. It's uh, my first time to be in close contact 
of a culture that's very different from my own. I think I was for I think few months I was cultural shock because everything is so different. And then I realized the diversity, the perspectives they brought into my world is immensely valuable. I understand there are many different ways to look at the same thing. I think I quickly grow up, and also it made me want to explore the world even more. And I think it's part of the reason why I end up in consulting because there are just so many options out there, and that I can explore. And I know I have these opportunities at my hand. I can do my PhD. And I can explore the academic world, but at the same time, I, I can also explore the business world and come into contact with all sorts of people. And then I make my choice to what I do, what I want to do after graduation. At this point, I still have many options to change course of my career, of my life in general. I just feel like that worldview was formed because I went abroad. If I stay home in China, I think I have a few fixed paths that's in front of me that I might just choose one of them and follow it through. But it's a completely different story once I went abroad. I do have to point out what's, what I find beautifully coming around is that you studied urban planning, and in Chicago and New York City, you actually have two cities that are meticulously planned in terms of their grid lines and, and straight roads. You must have brought your urban planning eye to those two cities as you live there. Great point. It really is. <laughs> and then New York City. Okay, so you move from Chicago to New York City, and you start your PhD. Talk a little bit about what was your dissertation topic, and、uh, what was it like getting a PhD at Columbia? Well, Columbia is a great school to establish one's academic career to be the starting point. Under the influence of the University of Chicago, I decided to major in the field of applied economics, and that's basically using. A statistical method to a lot of it. Most of the time, is about using statistical methods to do causal inference, and that was a huge revolution that took place in the field of economics a few decades ago. So what I did is I was coming from the urban planning background. I'm I look at the topics of climate change a lot, and I decided to understand better what's the causal impact of temperature increase on people's productivity. I think this question usually appears very simple at the first because you would think like you can measure the output of、uh, workers and then to correlate that with temperature and then you would know how temperature impact the productivity. In real life, I think there are some challenges. First of all, the output usually is from multiple source of labor input. You can never isolate one labor input and measure the impact. And then I think the second challenge usually is there's no big data, very very small sample size, a dozen workers, and then some temperature measurement, and that really does not yield the best estimate. So what I did is because another I think goes back to the cultural、uh, influence. So I never saw softball games or baseball games before I went abroad, and then I went to the U.S. I, People are crazy about baseball, so I I immerse myself in that, and then I realize that there is big data in in pitching. So what I did is actually I collect the data of the starting speed of about four million pitches that's made by almost a hundred major league baseball starting pitchers. That's between the year of two thousand eight and twenty fifteen. And I correlate that with the game site temperature. So I say correlation, but in the end, what I used is to a statistical method that get rid of the idiosyncrasies, and that makes me to be able to make a causal inference and to draw a conclusion how game site temperature will impact the pitching speed. And the conclusion actually is very interesting. The pitching speed will go up until the temperature of around the twenty one. 
a degree Celsius, and then it will start to go down if the temperature keep increasing. I have to say, I love this, Kate. A woman from China comes to America, takes America's <laughs> national pastime, sees it as an economist, as a huge data set that they can somehow leverage. To gain insights on global warming, and it's just a, it's just a fantastic story from end to end in terms of how you use big data and and then use that to really attack what is a global issue that we're all trying to get our minds around and really grapple with. So wonderful story, and then tell us how did you go from this sort of fascinating PhD dissertation to start to think about you, you've spoken a little bit about it before to start to think about entering the field of consulting or going into business.、Uh, walk us through a little bit of that process. Sure, absolutely. So actually, the seed was planted the first year when I did my PhD because I that summer. So one of my friend introduced a sort of a business opportunity to me. I picked that business the opportunity up only just because of my interests and curiosities. The request was for a state-owned company in China, a coal company in China. They're looking for a JV partner in the U.S. for natural gas fracking. Natural gas fracking was quite popular in around the year 2012. That's my entry year to my PhD. They want to do this JV, but they don't have anyone to give them any leads or of this business partner in the U.S. And I happen to be in the U.S. They will say, "Why don't you help us?" Now I'm like, "Okay, so I'm here. I speak English. I can try to help." And retrospectively, I think it was a very tough topic or or task to pick up. But I was、uh, fearless. I I just want to try. During the summer, so I did try. I made cold calls. I read. I wrote a lot of LinkedIn emails. End up visit two companies in Houston that they manufacture、uh, fracking equipment. And I think because the opportunity of do a fracking partnership with a Chinese big Chinese state-owned company is so attractive, that probably helped my endeavor to、uh, find the partner and then bridge the partner with the、uh, the Chinese counterpart. So in the end, the the Coleman Company's whole board came、uh, and management came to Houston. We did the factory tour together, and then one of the companies they think the most suitable ones. Their board and their chairman and their management went back to China and stayed in the area where the Chinese company is located and did multiple days of negotiation. And I was part of the negotiation, so it was it all happened so fast and real. And then the JV. Almost come through. It didn't come through in the end, but it almost come through. It didn't come through because it turns out the fracking environment in China is not as good as the U.S. because the the gas is so much deeper under the ground and the ground is softer, so it takes a lot more to frack them. It's like the rubber instead of rock, so it's hard to frack them. That make the deal fall out. But it was the whole experience was. Very, very different from what I do traditionally. Like I said, I feel like that I have all the opportunities at my fingertips. I can do anything I want, and I just I planted that seed in me. That's something I can do aside from academia. And then in the end, I I think I got this opportunity. I can tell you more about how I interviewed at the consulting firms, and then in the end, I just choose this one to be my my next step after graduation. What you've just described is like a classical. Consulting project—you you sort of get thrown in to work on an area that you may not know a whole lot about. You ramp up and become very smart, and before you know it, just listening to you, I, I do work in oil and gas. That the gas in China is much deeper, and that's been one of the challenges. And you quickly became a, an expert. It's fascinating to listen to you. But so you went through this. You sort of did a call it a mini consulting project over a summer, and then you decided you wanted to go into business. What led you to consulting and ultimately to Bain? 
Like as a PhD, when you think about business and the business world, you I think that is is just rather very very natural that you would think about consulting, because consulting has such a setup that allows you to do a three hundred sixty degree survey of the business world. It has multiple practices. It rotates you among cases. Uh, different type of cases, and you get to work with the top management of the leading companies in the world. You can't find that anywhere else. You can join a corporate, but that's only just one corporate, right? How do you know that's the right choice? Especially for someone who has not have had a lot of work experience prior to joining such a company. I think that appeals to me the most. Consulting is also very attractive to a AD candidate. Is that it offers AD candidate an entry point that's equal to a post MBA student, and you just don't get it anywhere else. They would discount your degree. They they think you have zero work experience. You should get the same job as a undergrad. That's devastating, right? So these two are just deal breakers. I think I did my due diligence of all the options I have. I think consulting is the best. <laughs> How did the interview process go? I mean, both with Bain and with anybody else that you spoke to. How did, how did that process? How did you prepare for it? What were the interviews like? Yeah, so I applied to the summer associate. I think in the third year of my PhD. Yes, the third year of my PhD, I applied for the summer associate. I didn't do much preparation. I didn't get any offer. I think I cried a little <laughs> right after being rejected. Uh, but I think that's because I really didn't do any prep work. But I think I just decided I'm not gonna stop there. It's just some associate. I'm gonna go a second round. I'm gonna apply for the full time positions. So I applied full time the fourth year of my PhD. I applied again to all three firms, and I got in- invited to interviews of all three firms. So I end up getting two offers. I get an offer from Bain and an offer from McKinsey, and I chose Bain, and now I'm here. Great offers from two world class firms. We'd love to know what was in your criteria as you went through that process. I think there are two main drivers. The first driver, what we always say, I think about culture and people. I think about the people I spoke to prior to interview, during to interview, post to interviews, and I think about my chemistry with the people. I just it turns out just the chemistry with Bain people was great, and I can really picture myself. Having friends at this firm, I think that's important because actually my PhD life actually was a bit lonely because I think it has things to do with the nature of being、uh, in academia. You have a very small circle of advisors and friends, and then you invest your time and you lay low and do your work. It was a, it was a somehow a lonely world, and then <laughs> a picture of this post AD post PhD life. I wanna have. A lot of friends, a lot of fun. Well, I work. That's why I think I make real friends at Bain. So that's the primary driver. There is also secondary driver because I know I'm gonna go work at the Greater China offices, and the Greater China office is is leading in consumer product practice. That's the practice I wanna do. So practice is another lever, and that these together make me choose Bain, and I never regretted for my choice once. During my career, as a consultant, and and now you've been promoted into、uh, manager, and then subsequently senior manager. Share a little bit about some of the cases you've done, and the different roles you've played on some of those cases, and the partners that you've interacted with along the way. So I spent the first almost eight months doing private equity practice. We have our signature private equity ring fence. 
So I get to uh, work on multiple industries, multiple deals. That sets a really good starting point for my consulting career. I get to grow my quantitative skills. Like I said, I surveyed many industries, quickly pick up how the business is done within the firm. So that's a good starting point. And right after that, I begin my, most of my cases is in consumer product. Like I planned, I want to do consumer product. I served multiple, our priority clients, the top five consumer product companies. I served one of them and for more than a year. Uh, right after that, that's the exciting part, which I'm still continuing to do, is I joined the Vector, which is the digital practice reinvents in, in our company. In Vector, I get to be the manager of Bain China's collaboration with Alibaba Group. I think you probably know Alibaba. Everybody knows Alibaba. Don't worry. It needs no introduction. <laughs> so yes, I get to be the senior manager of that relationship, that collaboration. And we collaborated with the, the signature e-commerce platforms of Alibaba Group. So the, sign- the three signature platforms, the Tmall, Taobao, and Tmall Supermarket, collectively in 2020, they achieved 1 trillion USD in GMB, which is twice of what Amazon achieved in the same year. And our collaboration is about leveraging their billions of consumer transaction records to empower consumer goods companies' digital transformation. I was hugely successful. We, we helped, I think, more than seven companies to do their digital transformations, leveraging this data. The insights from the big data is non-competable. That any insights those companies can draw from their typical consumer research. It made me feel that what I'm doing is very cutting edge and a lot of value additions, very excited job. I think that's the opportunity that Bain gives to people. That's one of the reasons I, I don't regret joining Bain. No, and we're very lucky and fortunate to have you join us as well. I mean, your story is just amazing. As we get toward the end here, I'd love it for you to share. Obviously, you've just been on an amazing journey coming out of China, going to Chicago, then New York, and then coming back and, and joining Bain and company. What are some advice that you would have for other people who are completing their PhDs and are trying to figure out what to do in terms of the next chapter of their life? What suggestion would you have and what, what sort of guidance would you give them as they think about entering a career in consulting? My first tip is to not to be afraid because I think many PhDs have spent a lot of time in doing their PhD thesis, completing their research, and well, at the same time, imagining a past as a tenured professor. In the end, you think you want to do something else. I think the consulting world is wide open and it has an open door and a great career option for you. And don't be afraid to choose it. I think that's the first. And the second is come prepared because in my story, you can already tell I failed the two interviews in my essay applications. That's mainly because I didn't do any practices I don't even know what consulting does and what what case interviews are. But I think that's the bare minimum. You should come prepared. For advanced degree holders, I suggest to join the consulting clubs on campus and immerse yourself in a consulting application environment and empower yourself or leverage the resources in that club and in the people who are also preparing for the interviews and do some preparation. I think that's another tip. I would like to give. And lastly, I would suggest that when choosing among companies, definitely think about the life you're going to have in these companies, because it really is not just about work. It's about having a good life and having friends, having fun. That should play into the decision. Kate, you just have an amazing story. I think people are going to be fascinated to listen to it. And I want to just thank you for your time today. 
I hope we get to continue to interact and hopefully uh, someday can share a glass of wine and continue to discuss that fascinating PhD dissertation of yours. But thank you again for joining us today. Thank you very much, Gerard. I enjoyed it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Beyond the Bio. If you would like to share a review or give us input on what you would like to hear on the podcast, please email our inbox at beyondthebio at We'll see you soon with some new episodes. Thanks for listening.